1 Corinthians 14, 23 through 25 says, If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Now, for years, people have been debating what our assemblies are about, and we can talk about various and sundry things that happen in our assemblies. Certainly, we worship God in our assemblies. Certainly, we edify one another in our assemblies. But here, as far back as 1 Corinthians 14, we see that one of the things that we want to happen through our assemblies is that when strangers or unbelievers enter our assembly, by the time we're done, we want them to believe that God is with us, and we want them to be provoked to worship God by what we do. We want them essentially, to become Christians. And while I understand that our assemblies, that their number one purpose is not for evangelism, we see that all the way back here in 1 Corinthians 14, evangelism was one of the things that was accomplished in assemblies. When we begin to take a look around at, at our world and our culture, I think one of the things that we've just come to recognize, is, and people who've studied evangelism have come to realize that that in our day and age, the number one person that we're likely to be able to talk with about the gospel is the person who has already expressed interest by showing up. Uh, there, there was a time, of course, when we would be able to do tent meetings and revivals or gospel meetings or whatever, what, whatever church wanted to call it, and folks from the entire community would come and they would be able to do their evangelism and their conversions that way. But they, let's face it, it just doesn't work like that anymore. Uh, and I think gospel meetings are still a great thing, but we're just going to have to understand it doesn't work that we get people to come on Monday night and they stay till Friday night, and by Friday they want to be baptized. That just that just doesn't happen anymore. Uh, people have too many things to watch on TV, too many PTA meetings, soccer, baseball, and and they're, you know you, it, uh, they're not interested in showing up. And we know that there was a period in time when people could go knock on a door, and I think door knocking is still good, and I think there's some things we can do, and I I'd love to go door knocking with anybody because I think there's some approaches we can take that are more successful than maybe some things we've done in the past. But there was a time when you'd go knock on a door and folks would be interested in having a Bible study with you, but that doesn't happen quite as much anymore because the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses and, and Jimmy Swaggart and, and Tammy Faye Baker and all those people have turned people off from religious ideas. And so you come knock on their door and, and they get a little bit upset at you. And, and, and so that doesn't work quite as much. But something that, that, that we found is that when folks see a godly life, and then they want to check it out. And generally what they do is, I, I want to come check out what's going on in this church that you're a part of. And when those folks come, those are the ones that we have the biggest impact on and the most likely ability to get together with and study with and bring them into Christ. And so I think it is very important for us to take what we do here as a congregation and very purposely and very specifically, even though it's not the number one purpose for why we're gathering, but very purposefully think about using what we have here as a means of evangelism. And of course, we're going to accomplish that through the songs we sing. We're going to accomplish that through the way you behave throughout our assemblies. We're going to hopefully accomplish that through the way the preacher preaches and through the teaching that they have. But one of the things that we need to do is think very specifically about these folks that walk through our doors and make sure that we know who they are and make sure that we actually talk to them and make sure that we actually follow up with them. Because the reality is, when somebody is thinking about making a spiritual change and they come into our midst, most of the folks in the world, they could care less whether it's us or the People's Church or the Cornerstone Church down the road. They don't know that there's a difference. And so 
what we've got to do is make sure that we're following up with them to draw them in so that they can see the difference that is there. So they can understand that God really is with us. Obviously, we need to be continuing to do all kinds of evangelism. I hope that you're talking to your friends and neighbors. I hope you're inviting. I hope you're trying to have studies. We need to have home studies. We need to have people who are, who are talking to checkout clerks about the gospel or about attending our assemblies. But one of the things we need to do as an assembly is make sure that our time here is spent wisely in regard to the outsiders that come in among us. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. I know for some of you this is going to be a repeat, but I hope that it's something that spurs us on and reminds us what we're supposed to be doing. I think, oh, I don't have, thought I had the verse up here. James. Look in James chapter 2. In James chapter 2, we're going to come back to this verse a couple times in the lesson. James chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, it says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, You sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, You stand over there, sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? As we take a look at this passage, we see what happens when people come into the assembly, when people gather with the Christians, and how they were responding to people. And I think based on this, we recognize some things that we need to be doing to make people feel welcome, to make people feel loved, and for people to understand that God is with us. And I, I just I want to stress this, and we're going to stress it multiple times in the lesson, the impartiality. When we're talking about our guest evangelism, this is about every guest that comes through our doors. Not just the guests that look like us, not just the guests that talk like us, not just the guests that are our age or our gender or our race or our socioeconomic class. This is about all the guests. And when we talk about guest evangelism, what we want to accomplish with our guests, we have three goals. The first goal, well, is guest reception. Whether the rich or the poor, the black or the white, the young or the old comes into our assembly, we're to receive them. And that's what's being talked about here in James chapter 2, the way they were receiving these different guests. You know, the rich one, they received and said, oh, come here, have the seat of honor. And the poor one, they said, oh, we're not too worried about you. You go over there. I mean, after all, when we take up the collection, you're not going to be able to do very much for us, so we don't care if you go down to the other church down the road. We're supposed to receive them, greet them, make them feel at home, make them feel honored. Help them know what we're all about. Our second goal is guest information. Now, this is twofold. Number one, we want to get information to our guests. We want them to know about us. We want them to know who we are. We want them to know what we think, the way, the way we approach things. And so that information, of course, is going to be given through what they see us doing. But we've also put together some packets that have some information about the congregation, just so they'll know who and what we are and what we do and, and answers a few of their questions. And we want to make sure that somebody gets that information to them. But the other thing we want to do is we want to get some information from them. doesn't do any good for Alan and Carla to walk into our door and leave if we don't know who they are. 
who was that? For, oh, you know, I talked to them, you know, that couple that came in, and, and they sat up there on the front row. They were really nice. And uh, what, what, were the, what, what were their names? Do you remember their names? Oh, I don't remember their names. Who got their names? Anybody get their phone number? Anybody? How can we talk to them again? We want to be able to get that information so that we can let them know how much we appreciate them being with us in hopes that they will come be with us again. So we've got guest information. We want to get them information, and we want to get some information from them. And finally, the third part, uh, the third goal that we have with our guest evangelism is guest follow-up. We want to be able to follow up with people. Anybody, you, know, you ever buy anything at a store and you give them your email address and what do you get the next day? Get an email with a survey. What did you think about our service? I mean, I'm just waiting for the Williamson Medical Center to send us our email. What did you think about, about when you had your baby here? Are you going to have any more? And we're going to say, we love you, you were great, but no more. Uh, yeah, that, that's the, kind of the, the follow-up because we want to be able to, to see uh, what they thought. Um, was it helpful? Did it benefit them? And that, I, I think that is important for us. We want to be able to follow up. We want to be able to talk to them. We want to be able to invite them back. We want to be able to set up Bible studies. We want to be able to see what helped them, what didn't help them. That, that's, that's very important. That's what this is all about, being able to follow up so that we can then get to the point of studies and conversions. So these are our goals. But in order to accomplish these goals, we're going to set up some roles, and that's the sheet that you have in your hand. For those of you who have been through this before, you know the drill, but for those who haven't been here since the last time we talked about this, we have several roles set up to help specifically accomplish some of the things that we need to accomplish here. And we recognize that with different talents, with different gifts and different abilities, you can do different things. And what I'd like for you to do as I go through tonight and describe the different roles, I would like for you to check which one you would be willing to do from January to June of 2008, and we're going to work really hard, right, Kurt, to make sure that it's only six months this time. And by the way, I do have to say, I, I want to publicly give, I, I give Kurt a hard, hard time most of the time, but I want to publicly say thanks to Kurt because really he's been the driving force behind a lot of the things actually getting done, especially getting it done after I let it slide too long. So I appreciate your work, Kurt. Kurt really has been working hard on this, but from January to June, of 2008, the, the roles that you would be willing to fill. And we're going to try to make sure that everybody who signs up for a role gets to do something. And if you don't sign up for a role, we're probably going to come to you and talk to you about what role would be best for you. And we, we want to make sure that we get as many people involved as possible in what we're doing here. So we want you to put your name on the paper, please. Make sure your name is on it. And then as we go through, you sign up for the ones that you'd be willing to do from January to June of 2008. If you just want to do the same thing you've been doing, that's fine. Check it. If you want to do something new, check it. And we'll be able to, to assign that and by January have that ready. So let's, let's hit head on with what our roles are. The very first role, and this to me is the backbone of everything that we do. Acts chapter 11 and verse 21 says, speaking of the church in Antioch, it says that the hand of the Lord was with them, and therefore many who believed turned to the Lord. The success that they had didn't come because of their programs, the success that they had came because the hand of the Lord was with them. We can have all kinds of programs. It can sound great. This, when we get done tonight, you can say, wow, that's just the most organized, best thing I've ever heard. But if the hand of the Lord is not with us, it's not going to do us any good. So the foundation of everything that we do has to be asking the Lord to be with us. 
And so very specifically for this particular uh, program that we have here for our guest evangelism, we have a couple of prayer groups that are signed up. Now, let me ask you, who should be praying for our guests? Everybody. Who should be praying for opportunities for us to teach people the gospel? Everybody. Okay, so when we sign up these two groups, we're not saying these are the 10 to 12 people who have to pray for this and the rest of you get to skate. All we're saying is we want to make sure that every week there's a specific prayer handled by representatives of this congregation regarding our guests and our opportunities to evangelize to them. And what we do is set up a men's group and a women's group. And every Sunday night, following the Sunday evening assembly, they get together to offer prayer for our guests. So if you'd be willing to do that, that's, I mean, that's every Sunday night, and I realize that's a little bit of a sacrifice, because sometimes those prayers can go long. But think of how important it is for us to pray for the guests that come into our assembly. And by the way, listen, I want you to know, if you're a guest here tonight, and you filled out one of our guest cards, that you can know that that's exactly what's happened for you in our Sunday night meetings. Once it's over, we have two groups that go back, and they've been praying for you. The second thing, greeters and escorts. This is probably the, the kind of the face of the whole guest evangelism uh, program that we have. This is what we think most about, greeters and escorts. These are the folks that are standing in our foyer, and their job is to make sure when guests come in that they are received, that they are greeted, that they are welcomed into our midst, and also escorted to wherever they need to go. Do they need kids to get to class? Do they need to know where our auditorium is and where they're allowed to sit? Do they need to know where the restroom is or where the nursery is? This is the job that they have. Now, whose job is it to greet guests? Everybody's job. And so, once again, I'm not saying that if you get assigned this role that, that you're the one that greets and everybody gets to skate. Really, the specific purpose for assigning this is not to assign who's going to talk to our guests. I hope that everybody talks to our guests. And I, we've been doing really well at that, and I really appreciate all the work that everybody does on that. But really, the main job here, these are the people who make sure they get the information packet make sure they get the guest card, and make sure we get that guest card back from them. That's, that's what this job is. So if you're going to sign up for this role, what you're agreeing to do is, <clears throat> is to get here, and, and Kurt generally signs everybody up for a month span during that six months. Your job is to get here 30 minutes early, 20 minutes early, sorry, Kurt said 20 minutes early, be out there, and that's Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and be willing to greet and talk to people. If you're an introvert and it scares you to death to talk to strangers, please don't feel guilty and think that you need to sign up for this role. There's other things that you can do. But your role here is to talk to people as they come in, to greet them, to welcome them, to make sure they get the information, to go get the card back from them when they, when they filled it out, to help them get to their classes, find the things that are going on, and pass that information back and forth. So if you'd be willing to help with that, please sign up for that. Third role that we have is card distributors. Uh, I think Brent Lejean has been in charge of that, and the Garrett's have helped, and I think the Stags have been helping with that. Basically, the job is once we get those cards back, somebody's got to make sure that every person with every role gets a copy of those guest cards. And this really is a very simple role. It only takes three or four people, so probably not everybody who signs up here will get to do it, but what, basically what this means is we get the cards to you. Your job is to go copy off the amount that we have and, and slide them in, to the little boxes that we have in the library so that everybody who has a role can go there immediately following the assembly or shortly after the assembly and pull out the cards and do the jobs that they have. That's the card distributor role. Databasers. 
Now, this is one where we've been kind of slack, mostly because we were trying to use a new program and having a hard time getting the database together. However, I have been told that the database is now done. So, Jerry, if you sign up for it again, you'll actually have some work to do. The database is now done. And we're really going to start using that in this next time as we, get to, as we, as we work on this. And what that's going to be is as soon as the assembly is over, the person gets the copy of the cards, they go to the database, they fill in all the information. And then they will also get the follow-up card, because everybody who has some job of follow-up has been filling out these little white cards. And since we haven't had the database, that's kind of been an exercise. It's been wonderful, but we had to make sure we were doing it. Now we're really going to be able to use it. All that information is going to be put in the database so that we can keep up with what kind of work we're actually doing. So take a few minutes after each of the assemblies and classes to go fill in on the computer down in the workroom to fill in our database so that we can follow up and make sure that we are actually doing the work that we've said we're going to do. The next role is emailers. One of the things I've noticed is that we all love technology, but churches are actually pretty slow on the uptake when it comes to using the technology that we have. Uh, several churches that I've gone to and talked to about various things, about congregational growth or about what churches need to do, that series on Jerusalem, I've been asked to do that in some meetings. And, and typically in those various locations, I'll ask folks, you know, on your guest card, do you have a place for people to put in their email? And most of them don't. But even the ones that do, I say, all right, how many of you are actually sending emails to these people? And even if they have the email on the card, almost none of them are actually sending emails. But here's the great thing about email. As soon as the assembly is over, somebody can go down to the computer, hop on there, send an email to our guests. They get home, they eat lunch, they think, I want to go take and check my email, and already they've got a note of thanks for having attended. Do you think that would make an impression on somebody? Uh, that is one of the most important things that we need to be doing because it's that, it's that absolute first contact that we have in following up after the assembly is over. Basically, there's three or four people that get assigned to this role. There'll be one leader who, who kind of makes assignments, but after each assembly in the Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, somebody's supposed to go get those cards, go down to that computer downstairs, send off emails to our guests so that they have an immediate thanks for being with us and an immediate invitation to return if they're local guests. Obviously, not everybody has email. Not everybody will put their email down on the card. We have some weeks where we can't send emails because nobody gave us their email address. But those weeks that they do, we want to send emails. So if you'd like to be able to help with that, sign up for the email. Writers. Cards, notes. Right now, uh, we, for the past two years, we've continued to allow the women's work groups that were already in place to continue with that. And frankly, I think they're doing just a fabulous, outstanding job. And so we're, we're allowing the women's groups that, that, that meet on Sunday nights to continue to do that. Five-minute visitors. This, again, I have to say, uh, my fault has been kind of slack. But the goal here is, within 48 hours, to have a couple of people go to a guest house, knock on the door, take a five-minute visit. You never go inside the house. You're not trying to set up a Bible study. You're just stopping by to simply say, we appreciated you being there. If they invite you to come into the house, your job is to say no. No, I'm just out running some errands, and I just wanted to stop by and let you know we appreciate you coming. We sure would like to have you back at the next opportunity. We meet on Wednesday night at 7 for class, but we'll be back again on Sunday. We'd love to have you come. And that's it. And turn around and leave. If, if they try to get you to stick around, you just, no, we don't want to do that. Because, I'll tell you what, it's very easy. Somebody, you know, they're trying to be nice, and they say, oh, come on in. But then they tell their friends the next day, I can't believe it, that church sent somebody, and they, can't, they stayed for two hours. 
And all the while, you thought they, were, they, they wanted you there, and, and not necessarily. So it's a five-minute visit. You stay on the porch, and you leave. Now, obviously, if they say, you know what, I've been studying Acts 238, and I need to be baptized, well, hopefully that you're smart enough to realize, okay, all right, I'll stick around, and we'll talk about that one. But pretty much short of that, what a five-minute visitor is, is just stopping by and saying, we really appreciated you coming and visiting with us and hope that we can see you again. And then we have phone callers. Typically what we do if somebody attends on a Sunday, about Thursday we found to be the best day, but Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, we want somebody to give them a phone call to invite them to be back with us on Sunday morning. This is just local guests. If folks visit us from Athens, we're not going to call the folks in Athens and say, hey, hope you'll be back on Sunday. Uh, but, but if folks are from the area, Nashville, Spring Hill, Franklin, those areas, uh, we're going to give them a call and ask them to be back with us, let them know. And so if, you, if you'd be willing to give people a phone call and invite them to be back with us at our next assembly, please go ahead and sign up for that one. And finally, we have the hospitality. And, and this is really, if somebody has, get, has been a guest of ours for a couple of weeks, we want to get to know them better. We want folks who are willing to invite them into their homes. Yes, it's true that you can take them out to eat, and, and we're happy if you do that, but there's just something about you having them into their home, into your home that, that provides that, um, uh, well, what's the word I'm looking for, that, that provides that just surrounding that scenario that, that really helps uh, draw close and get to know information. We don't want you to grill them. You know, we don't want you to put the spotlight on them and, you know, uh, when were you baptized and all those kind of questions but rather just to get to know who they are and, and what we can do to help them either become a Christian or to, to grow in Christ. And so this is, it's certainly, it's, it's a little bit vulnerable saying, yeah, I'll, I'll let people come into my home and we'll have a, have a meal or whatever, but that's what hospitality is. So if you would be willing to do that, make sure to sign up for that. So these are the roles that we have. I, I hope I've been able to explain them clearly to you. Prayers, readers and escorts, card distributors, databases, emailers, writers, five-minute visitors, phone callers, hospitality. Something I want to share with you in addition to what we've discussed before. So here's the new stuff. So everybody who's been on autopilot now for the, for the early part of this because you say, oh, I've been there, done that, heard it, filled out your form, and you're ready to go, this is new, so you need to wake back up. I think there are three things that we need to remember to make this work. The first thing we need to understand is that to make this work, it is going to take putting others first. We know the passage in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. I mean, we're just going to have to understand, if we're going to be a part of the guest evangelism program, it means putting others before me, because there are all kinds of things that I'd rather do than get to the assembly 20 minutes early so I can greet guests. There's all sorts of things I'd rather do than stay Sunday night afterwards for an extra 20 minutes to pray. There's all sorts of things that I'd like to do rather than taking some time out of the week to write some notes or to send an email or to make a phone call. And it's very easy, even though, even if it's not an issue, I'd rather do all this other stuff, but an issue of just I'm getting caught up and bogged down in all my things. I mean, I don't know. Anybody else have really busy weeks? I mean, is it really easy if you're a phone caller and it gets to be Thursday and suddenly you realize, oh, man, I forgot about it all totally. Well, I'll do better next week. You know, in order to overcome that, what we're going to have to be able to do is put others first. Recognizing that it's far more important that we do what we can as a congregation to help draw souls into the body of Christ and that what we're doing is truly important. The second thing that it's going to take is it's going to take some personal sacrifice. I guess this is really just kind of the flip side of that first point. But it's going to take some 
personal sacrifice. Come Sunday after the assembly is over, I'm trying to beat the Baptist to the restaurant. But wait a minute, I need to talk to some guests. I need to go and shoot off the email. Oh, I told the family. I've got some family in the area. We were going to get together. See, it's going to take some sacrifice. Take some time to pray. I, you know, any, any of this is going to take a sacrifice of time. We've got to be willing to sacrifice. And I, I'm just telling you right now, I know that's what it's going to cost. I know that it's going to be a sacrifice. No matter which one of these roles you choose, there is going to be some sacrifice involved. We are asking something from you. It, it's not going to be just something that you just do on the way. It is going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take time out of your day, out of your week. It's going to take some effort. It's, it might even take some, uh, some, some gas money if you're one of the visitors. You see, it is going to take some sacrifice. You remember what Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says about our lives in general, though? Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Our lives are supposed to be a sacrifice for the work of God. How much more ought we be able to make these small sacrifices that we're talking about here to evangelize the folks that come into our assembly, to take the gospel to them, to do the follow-up, to do the work that it takes to get that gospel message to them? And the third thing that it's going to take to make it work, and I guess we kind of started out here, but I just have to highlight this. I just have to say how important it is. It's going to take impartiality. If someone of a different race, I mean, let's face it, for the most part, all through this room, and for most Sundays, we're mostly middle-class white people. And I do have to tell you how much that bothers me. But someday, we're going to get some other guests that come in that don't look quite like us. They might be really poor. They're not ever going to be able to give much of the contribution. In fact, they're probably going to take some away. We need to treat them impartially with honor and respect and love, receiving them and welcoming them as we would anybody who looked just like us. There's going to be some black folks, some Hispanic folks, some Indians, some Asians. There might be mixed-race couples. And we need to offer them that impartiality of welcome. Back in James chapter 2, we've already read the passage. You know what it says. If we're showing partiality, we've become judges of people and we're sinning. We're not supposed to do that. We've made distinctions among ourselves and become judges with evil thoughts, James 2 and verse 4 says. There are going to be people that come in. You ready for this? What, what happens if we have a, have a guest that comes in and he's got earrings all around his ears? Or if we have a young lady that comes in, she's got an earring and a nose ring and a chain that goes from one to the other. Or what if we get one of those guys who comes in and they've got their pants right down here and they've got the baggy long shirt? Or they've got spiked green mohawk. Or they smell like they've been drinking. Or we know that she's a prostitute. Impartiality. No matter who it is, that's what it's going to take. We don't want anybody leaving saying, well, they didn't welcome me there. And I recognize that, that there are going to be some folks that when they hear what we teach, they're not going to stay, and they'll say bad things about us. I understand that. 
But I sure hope that when they leave saying bad things about us, it's about what we taught, not about how we treated them. Because for this to work, it's going to take impartiality. So, if you're willing to put others first, to sacrifice and to be impartial, I hope that you will please sign up for one of the roles that's on that sheet. And I'm going to give you just a couple of moments here to fill out that sheet. And I actually had something in my office that I meant to share with you, and so I'm going to give you a moment. I'm going to walk back to my office while you're filling that out. I know I don't know if that's scriptural, if I'm allowed to walk out of the auditorium during the lesson part. But while you all are filling that out, and then we'll come back in and we'll take that up, and then we'll offer the invitation. So I'll, I'll be right back. <clears throat> in my little excursion back there to my office, Kurt reminded me that I know we've got several that are out sick or are not here for various reasons, uh, spouses and such. If your wife or husband's not here, Please uh, get a copy of that. I think Kurt's got some extras back there. I don't know, Dan, do you still have some extras? Yeah, Dan's got some. So pick one of those up from Dan or Kurt and take those with you. Let your wife or husband fill that out. Or child who's a Christian or parent who's a Christian. And uh, bring that back to us. All right. I guess here's what we'll do. Um, just pass them to the inner aisles here, and I'll, I'll get these over here. If y'all will just pass them to the inner aisles, and Kurt will just walk down the aisle and grab those. I know it's kind of a different night when we do this lesson each time, but I hope that you understand the importance of it and our, and our purpose behind the work that we're doing here. And I, I do so appreciate the work that all of you are doing. What I, what I forgot to bring in was this card that I received, that the congregation received about two weeks ago, and I... I didn't read it then because I wanted to save it for when we had this lesson. I just this is from uh, and I left the envelope on the on the card. So I think Eric and Lisa, but I can't remember their last names. Dear brothers and sisters, just wanted to take a moment to let you know how very much we appreciate the friendly welcome we received when visiting Sunday, October 21st. Eric and I found the worship service to be relevant and sincere. We both felt uplifted and encouraged. You have something special there in Franklin. Thank you also for the gift of walks with God. We are finding it useful in our daily walk. In his love, Lisa. And I have to tell you, I don't know how many congregations receive cards like this very regularly. But over the past two years, we've, we've received them. Uh, I mean, I'm not trying to say we get one every week. But, but we've received several cards like this or phone calls or emails over the past few years. And, and I just want to say thank you to everyone, whether you had a specific role or not, because I think part of what's helped, I don't know, y'all remember the last email we read, the, the fellow made the comment, he said your, your uh, uh, greeting committee does a great job because it was everyone. And, you know, I really appreciate that because that demonstrated that we've learned this issue, that it's not just whoever's assigned to greet to talk to guests, but everybody is talking to them. What we want to do is we want to improve, we want to get better, we want to make sure nobody's falling through the cracks, we want to make sure that we're not missing anyone, because I'm sure that's that's happening some of the time, but we want everybody to feel like that couple did and so that we can follow up with them and get to that point of, of being able to talk with them about the gospel and saving them. Now, you know what the next step is, right? The next step is doing what it takes to get our guests in the community to be here. We're going to talk about that on another night, but that's one of the things we need to be thinking about. We, One of the things we said two years ago when we started this is that we wanted to get down how we're going to help our guests and follow up with them. And I think you know, we, we've got a few uh, 
things that need to be tweaked, a few things that need to be improved a little bit here, but we're, I think we're really doing well. It's time for us to realize that we need to get out there and let folks know what's going on here so they come. Because it doesn't do us any good. As far as evangelism, to greet all the Christians that come visit us from Athens and Huntsville and Louisville. I mean, we want them to feel welcome too, but that's not evangelism, is it? We want to make sure that now we start working on bringing folks in so that we can get that gospel message out to them. Thank you very much for your patient kindness as we've gone through that. There are perhaps some here tonight that aren't Christians, some that are guests. And one of the things that always concerns me about conducting a lesson like this or a talk like this at a time when guests might show up is how you might misconstrue what we're doing. Because when we talk about having roles and purposes and people who are doing these works, sometimes it can feel a little bit manipulative. And it seems like, oh, all they're interested in is just getting more people to come. They're not, that's not it at all. What we're interested in is not getting more people in these pews. We're interested in getting more people into heaven. And we want to do whatever work it's going to take to draw people to Christ to bring them into his church so that on the day of judgment they can hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the rest of your Lord. And we want everybody to be a part of that work. And that's what it's about. If you're not a Christian, if you haven't been baptized, we don't have this kind of lesson to try to manipulate you to do anything. We have this kind of lesson to stir us up, to do the work that it takes to help people's souls be saved. And so at the end of every lesson, we offer an invitation. Because, and, and this is just traditional, obviously we could meet and not offer an invitation. It wouldn't be a sin to do that. But we want to take every opportunity that we can for anyone who is not a child of God, who has heard about what God has done for them, for sent his son to forgive their sins. We want them to take the opportunity to submit to Jesus in baptism for the remission of those sins so that they can be a part of our family and they can work to bring other people into Christ. Jesus said, He that believes and is baptized will be saved. Have you done that? If you haven't, can we help you with that tonight? Won't you come right now as we stand and sing? And I know I forgot to tell you to pull out your songbooks. It's number uh, 332.